to start off Hello. the podcast. Oh, hi everyone. We're here with Candy Thief. Candy Thief. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful song. Yes, that you're very welcome. Really, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you are Candy Thief, um, but that's not the full band. Yes. What? It's not your real name. <laughs> it's not. It is not the name I was given oh. at birth. Just as this is not the I'm hair so color I was given at birth. Oh. <laughs> not that anyone else can see that. But anyway, yeah. No. Um. My name's Deanna Decaverus, and Candy Thief is the artist's name, and that is me and a sometimes other people. Um. They can't always kind of make it everything because they have more um other activities than me and more children. Um, and things like that. So I do some stuff by myself and some stuff with them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're based in Edinburgh. Yep. How do you find it being a musician in Edinburgh in the scene? Do you find that there's a lot of opportunity for musicians to be, for well, smaller musicians to have a chance to get onto the scene? Yeah, I think one of the benefits of Edinburgh, as compared to London where I started out, is um, that it's small enough that you can get to know a lot of the places where things are happening. Mm-hmm. And if you go to those places and you're you're active and you're going to open mics and you're seeing what else is happening, you can certainly get to know a lot of other people who are going to tell you about more gigs and more places. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that point of view, I do actually think it's pretty pretty good for people who are starting out and developing their their act. Um, even though I know some other people find sort of would describe it as not having much going on mm-hmm. and a lot of venues closing, and it is a shame that places like the Leith Depot and some some places like that are are set to close but I think nonetheless there are lots of opportunities there and there are lots of ways that you can develop yourself mm-hmm. yeah so how did you get into playing music or start playing so that is a good question um, um <laughs> essentially the answers we get to this question they're hilarious yeah <laughs> um well um I went and studied history and French this is the short answer <laughs> and um, found that I really, I'd always played a little bit of guitar at school, and um, but I had a succession of terrible teachers, which was bad but also good because now I teach, now I have a school as well as part of what I do for oh, music, okay. and having terrible teachers helped me understand what you need to be a good teacher. Yeah. So um, um, I never really thought of it in any other kind of wider sense, and also when I was eight... I didn't get into the choir at school, and after that, I decided I was never going to sing again because I was mortified. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I went off and did my history and French degree, and I sort of really missed playing a little bit of guitar, and mm-hmm. but at the same time, didn't really think of myself as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <laughs> I had to do my history degree at Oxford, and Radiohead are from Oxford, yeah. and I ended up catching the bus out to this village with this guy who reckoned he'd taught Johnny from Radiohead. So, because I didn't know any better, that seemed like quite a an awesome thing um and unfortunately that didn't turn me into johnny from radiohead um (laughs) are you sure (laughs) oh yeah you know um and uh that was kind of so i did stuff like that and i just amused myself with it and then i had a friend who's also on my degree course who then went went on to become milo ding 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 Ah. ding 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 and uh, he taught me some Bell and Sebastian songs. That was quite fun. That's but this cool. still, everything was still very low-key. Couldn't really sing, couldn't really play guitar. Uh-huh. And then um, I basically sort of tricked my parents um, by saying that I was just going to do essentially like a gap year, but after I finished uni, of doing one year of foundation in music. Uh-huh. And um, as a kind of like, <laughs> I've done that kind like of that. degree that you wanted me to do. Now I'm yeah. going to do this. Um, and, and then while I was on that foundation, I, I, I secretly applied for the 
the next level of it uh-huh. and got a place and then was like mm, I seem to have accidentally got a place for the next <laughs> level perhaps I better do something. so sorry so sorry so meanwhile they were horrified because I'd always been quite kind of squatty at school uh-huh. and um passed all the exams and so they were they were I was a, the great white hope of of the of sensibleness in my otherwise not very sort of sensible family mm-hmm. and um there I was at the last minute just taking a wild divergence into this completely <laughs> must be in the genes untried yeah. untested um so that was fairly kind of annoying for them I mean they were completely baffled um I mean yeah it was fun <laughs> however so let's just so then there was like typical few years of, of anxiety whilst I was mm-hmm. not very good at music because I hadn't been doing it very long and yeah. I was really good at all this other stuff but because I, I think that's the challenge when you're 20 there's stuff that you're proven to be good at yeah, yeah, and people definitely. want you to stick with that stuff you're proven to be good at mm-hmm. and they're anxious about the stuff that you don't have any proof about mm-hmm. but of course you don't have any freaking proof about it because you haven't done it You've for very long it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and if you do anything you for 10 it. years <laughs> even if you're terrible at it to begin with you're gonna improve exactly yeah. you know yeah. so um so I stuck with it and um eventually decided that I was gonna shun all other things that I might have been doing and um played in some various kinds of terrible bands everyone's got terrible band stories oh, from when they started out yeah. uh had some terrible oh uh, you know oh i mean yeah um waking up in a warehouse in cardiff after the van exploded when on the you know first tour i did with a post-punk art rock band from north london and um, <laughs> we, we did some dates supporting this this shows my age a little bit we did some dates supporting Razor Light. Oh, Remember when they were yes, trendy? Yes. Um, on <laughs> their Golden Light. Touch tour. Um, and uh, that was, yeah, that was... So I had my share of kind of terrible, yeah. strange band experiences and episodes of that kind. And and that was, uh, yeah, they suddenly, none of them could drive. And I had to drive this van all the way around the country. I'd forgotten about that. I had oh. buried that memory. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, then I... But through them, I got to know Fence Records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because one of them had been at St Andrews and had been got to know all the Fence guys. And uh, then Fence, I, I don't know if you've kind of much come across the whole Fence Records thing. That was, it was more prominent kind of 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this little label in Fife. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy who set it up was called, an artist called King Creosote. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was his thing. Then oh, he set it up with his pal, the Pictish Trail. Mm-hmm. And then the Pictish Trail's gone. He's got his own... Uh, I uh, a record label on Egg called Lost Map. And they ah, have no yeah, name. all those guys. Yeah, no, really so they were all yeah. exactly. So um, they were all kind of. I got. I I was completely. I'd never seen anything so fun because in London everyone was still trying to be dead cool at that time, mm. and it was all you yeah. know. It was all asymmetrical fringes, and <laughs> yeah. um, if there were girls in bands, the they made me play the synths and. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and I some of that I did, I sort of knew I wanted to play music, but on the other hand, I didn't really enjoy a lot of the stuff that was happening. So I was like, well, this is quite confusing. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in Fence, all the people were all amazing. And the music was, I was just, I'd never really, it sounds strange, but I'd never really heard much acoustic music. Okay. okay. And I hadn't really, I didn't really get it. Yeah. Like I didn't really understand it could be amazing. I just thought it was a bit sandily. Yeah. And then, and then, and that was the first time where I sort of experienced the true power of person with guitar and um that also there were lots of very different types of music even in spite of the fact it was this tiny festival there were these incredible artists who were doing all this different sort of stuff and it was didn't have the same homogeneity or anxiety that the london scene had at the time so i was just like wow this is amazing yeah um um and then i 
I really wanted to do my own thing. So I, I basically broke away and started doing my own thing. Okay. Had some singing lessons, got over my terror of singing. And <laughs> this is what I tell people now who come to me for lessons. Don't worry. You'll get past Exactly. <laughs> so I guess I'm just interested in what actually prompted you to move from the London scene to up here. So um, I was when I was doing stuff with Fence, and they, they actually released my first EP, which okay. was um, a massive, you know, um, help because I had no idea how to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think if I hadn't had that sort of feeling that the stuff I was doing could connect with people and they could other people could be interested, yeah. I might not have ever really got off the ground. Mm-hmm. And but because people were like, "Oh yeah, we we like this, we want to take yeah. part in this," and yeah. that was a really good encouragement at the beginning. Um, uh, so that was it was kind of fun doing stuff with them and then I also wanted to do a master's in composition at the University of Edinburgh with this one particular professor mm-hmm. called Nigel Osborne who's a really legendary guy in Scotland music although uh-huh. in the more in the classical end of things um um a major bearded maverick awesome guy <laughs> and it was a, he was about to retire so okay um I went to came up to do that and then I mm-hmm. stuck around and you loved it so much. Quite. <laughs> well, we're very glad you're here. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> no, yeah. I do think a lot of people, though, who live in London do get to a point where they, I don't know, because in London, because I've lived in London as well, you kind of get into a London bubble where you don't realise that there are other opportunities and there are other places and there are places where it's not as expensive and it's not as crowded. And, and there's a whole world <laughs> yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, once you, start, once you start kind of thinking about it, I think a lot of people have that revelation and then kind of move somewhere else in well I do really love London I love going back and I I think they're just different there are different benefits I mean I think one of the benefits of Scotland is that because the music scene's a little bit smaller you mm. can get to know more of it mm-hmm. in a meaningful yeah. way yeah. Yeah. whereas in London people tended to have their one little that because it's so enormous whatever it is that you're into you will definitely be able to find it like mm-hmm. I remember I used to write kind of bar and club reviews at one point um for a website and one of the they sent me off to review this bar um, and it was a gypsy jazz bar, and it was the only gypsy jazz bar in the country. Really? It was called Le Cucumber, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was run Let's by go. this yeah. this this woman of Romani descent called Sylvie, and she just looked like a queen. She had these flashing oh, green eyes, amazing. and they they and and there would be people into a very specific kind of Django Reinhardt gypsy jazz who okay. would come from all over the country to the Cucumber. So <laughs> I just love the fact that you find these little pockets yeah. of people who are just into that particular thing everywhere in London Mm -hmm. so that's one of the benefits but then on the other hand because it's so massive and there's so many things people tend to find that their one thing and it's and sort of stick in it a little bit more Mm -hmm. or or drown I suppose (laughs) possibly (laughs) which is not a good alternative it's a sink or swim situation I guess yeah I'm just interested in how Scotland shapes up compared to the rest of the world I I feel like in Scotland there's less personal insecurity about oh I need you to be into my band and am I better than you or am I more successful than you and than in London and there's a bit more like oh we all want the rest of the world to appreciate how awesome Scottish talent is Mm -hmm. there's a bit more patriotic there's a bit more of kind of um which is great there's a bit more feeling like we we are we all work in this stuff we all want this stuff to succeed in our country Mm -hmm. um so I'd say there's a bit more of that kind of feeling that's good compared to London where people don't have the opportunity to have that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I know what you mean yeah um so do you you write all of your own music Mm -hmm. um what's the kind of process for that is it something that do you tend to come up with 
a song a melody before you come up with lyrics or does one inspire the other or is another it great question the song <laughs> um i love this question because i teach songwriting and mm-hmm. um i obviously write songs and so this is something i've thought about a lot mm-hmm. and i don't think i have one set process um which i think is an advantage because i think if you do one thing if you want one process then there's a risk your results can end up the same being similar yeah. Will yeah. You limit yourself? um so but the other thing is that i tell my everyone that I work with in terms of the songwriting is that you can pretty much make up anything you want if you like it that's fine and the kind of whole rules and processes are there to help and support you mm-hmm. so um when I started out writing songs I didn't really have any particular knowledge I just shoved together sounds that I liked um yeah <laughs> um, I think that's a natural yeah, process so so um yeah. so some yeah so and I think a lot of people do that and I think that is totally fine and it's, there's a lot to be said for not knowing what you're doing, bec- in a sense, mm. because you just, um, you're just drawn by what you like. Mm-hmm. So you're not, there's, when you've got a lot of knowledge and you know exactly what each relationship means on a theoretical level, then you can get a bit bogged down in that. But when you're yeah, just like, huh. Cool. And sometimes I, I change the tune of my guitar to get back into the just finding things that I like the sound of yeah. way. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say in terms of what comes first, um, Sometimes I have a specific idea of something I want to write about. Um, um, <clears throat> and I start with that idea and I kind of, if it's a sort of story, then I might um, write a load of words <clears throat> that aren't lyrics. They're just kind of describing the, the scenario. Okay, yeah. And then I sort of, depending on if there are any lines I particularly like, those lines might have a certain rhythm to them and that mm-hmm. might indicate a, a meter. And yeah. then um, I was, um, I'll decide if I want a kind of unsettling feel or a kind of flowing feel and I'll pick chords and a tune um, that, that goes along with that. Around, yeah. Other, other times, words, yeah. yeah. Other times I just really like the way two certain chords sound. So mm-hmm. this kind of, com- this combination, quite satisfying. Ooh, yeah. And I might, you know, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then because I don't have as much time as I had when I was, you know, in my 20s to sit on my sofa pondering <laughs> songs Life. i just i just have a little notebook on my phone and if i see anything or I overhear anything that i think is mm-hmm. intriguing i just write it down okay. and then when i look back at it later either i still think it's cool or i'm like i don't know what that was or yeah. that's quite boring yeah someone once said to me that if you have a good idea you shouldn't write it down because if it's a really good idea you'll remember it no. and i was like i don't think never that's always the case that depends <laughs> on how many penguins there are on the iceberg yeah that's true you wouldn't exactly. want that particular penguin falling in the sea now would you no yeah that's a good way to put it <clears throat> i like penguins don't want any penguins falling in exactly. the sea exactly just need to get more icebergs out exactly. yeah. <laughs> hard to come by icebergs so if you i guess these questions are kind of twofold if you had to play in a completely different genre to what you play now mm-hmm what would it be? And then as a follow-on of that, if you had to mash up two genres into one song that you don't think you've either played with yourself or have heard before, what would you be mashing up together? <laughs> so, um, uh, if I was going to play in a particular, completely different genre, I really like the rhythm of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so There's something really satisfying about extremely rhythmically structured mm-hmm. music. And um, when I was... Uh, one of the songwriting projects I I led was with um, a group of um, ex-offenders in London and they were all from a totally urban music culture Mm -hmm. so that was completely the way that they were writing and it was it was just pretty satisfying I mean Mm. um, I would sound like a 
absolute wally if I tried to, to do it. <laughs> but I can totally see how that would be quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, plus, I think Grace Savage is amazing with her beatboxing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I quite like to do yes. that. Beatboxing um, is... It's an art, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's possible with some skill level She's of some people. She's doing these little <laughs> tutorial videos. Really? Yes. Okay. I think you should check them out and then have document your beatboxing process <laughs> and then exactly yeah. the and then you could you could have a beatbox jam at the end of every every in- session oh. that you do yeah. and we'll get better and better yeah exactly i know one of the biggest beatboxers in glasgow at the moment he's a guy called big taj don't know if you know him haven't come no. across um, him he no, is no, amazing and he's doing the same thing i'm gonna try and get him on the show let's try have and get come big across mog speaking of glasgow musical characters mog really mog it's kind of yeah. more of a rap end of things okay and he does some stuff with adam holmes they had this side project ah, okay. called i can't remember what it was called maybe it was adam and mog um but he was amazing i thought his just his the way that he kind of um spoke did his stuff mm-hmm. what he rapped i guess is the yeah. word i'm looking for no that's really cool i feel i'm really interested in rhythm in general mm-hmm. because i think the reason as humans that we like rhythm is all to do with sort of well i suppose it's to do with a heartbeat at the end of the day but it in my mind it links to the sort of really ancient music of everyone's like culture's first music that you ever come up with because it's somebody banging a stick on a stone Mm -hmm. or something like that so i'm a big i'm a big fan of rhythm as well well it gets quite interesting when you get right into the nitty-gritty of it because um actually my the guy that was my supervisor at the university of Edinburgh, this guy nigel osborne he also chaired the first conferences on music and the brain. Oh, really? And there's yeah. all kinds of interesting things that happen with stress responses yeah. when people are exposed to different kinds of music, and especially pattern-based music. And what makes music pattern-based is obviously the rhythm in which yeah. things happen. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing is, obviously, on a physics level, um, a- any pitch is fundamentally a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and there are all, co- all kinds of, in terms of vibration and how that affects us at a cellular level... Mm-hmm. it's all pretty yeah that's really interesting there's a really good book called music in the brain by um uh philip somebody that i'm reading at the moment and it's yeah. all to do with that stuff it's yeah. very cool no mm. i just <laughs> i'm a geek <laughs> is but, that yeah. i mean that's something that's only really started being researched yeah yeah i'd say it's quite a recent last, last you know, 15 decades. years or so yeah, yeah. yeah um but it's it is very interesting and it it, it as somebody who, who uh, writes and performs and educates, it actually gives you a lot of self-esteem because you could be prone otherwise to be like, oh, why am I bothering driving to Bradford to play songs to four people and yeah, not yeah. sell any CDs? Which is totally <laughs> a standard experience yeah, for every artist. Um, um, and, and actually, you know, you, you, can, you can feel like why, you know, that maybe there's an ego trip involved in trying to interest people in your output and mm. why should anyone, you know, be interested in it and... Is it not slightly futile wandering around trying to get some attention for some songs that you've written? Like, really, does the world need more songs? Yeah. Um, you can kind of get into all of that if you're on a downer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I defy anyone who's ever tried to do anything to never have a downer about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but but it, that kind of... It puts in the context that, that music's a fundamentally normal thing for a human to be into. Mm-hmm. And that also, if people can kind of like your music or dislike it, and that's that's, you know, totally a thing that's going to happen um mm-hmm. but on a fundamental level it's, it's a soothing activity to for us to be exposed to music like it's it comforts oh, yeah. us at a 
like biologically speaking it's mm. not even just like whether we're aware of it or not so in that context teaching other people to be musically independent and to have the possibility of making music and being involved in music and um making your life be about that isn't a sort of superficial or fringe add-on to the the kind of like meat and two veg of life it yeah. actually is the meat and two veg yeah no that's good well put yeah good way <laughs> to look at it definitely so you said you're past the days of sitting on the couch and gazing into space and coming yes. up with music what where do you write music now do you have to is it still something that comes to you with inspiration or do you like actively have to no sit down i have to sit choose? down and choose to because um i'm it's quite full on running a music school it's great yeah. but there's quite a lot to do mm-hmm. and so it'd be very easy for me to spend every single waking hour creating materials making web pages for my students yeah uh, creating newsletters and tutorial videos doing the account they're like it would be and, and yeah. everyone gets to this point in life and either yeah that everyone's i think gets busier and busier the more life goes on so if you were just waiting for a gap mm-hmm. that that would never happen of course yeah. and and also you might get to a gap and then not be in a you know it might not feel like it so mm-hmm. you have to kind of really get past the idea that you a need to be inspired or b need to be in the mood mm-hmm. if you've um and um for that reason i just find it helpful to have just to be keeping tabs on things that that interest me yeah um and i think the 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 great there are there are people i've met who are pop songwriters or who are stable songwriters for labels and mm. um i think that's a, a really great talent to have and there's totally yeah. a place for that but i have the luxury of only of being able to only write music that interests me about things that i want to talk about yeah. or sing about or yeah. and tunes that i that i personally want to hear myself so for me there's really no point you know mm-hmm. in in writing other music than 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 that so i sort of keep an eye on themes that are interesting to me and then i try and think about how i want to express that okay yeah so not quite the i mean there is it's a common way of doing any kind of creative process whether you're doing creative writing or songwriting Mm. there's the idea that you sit down every day for the same amount of time and you do it no matter what so like stephen king sat down and wrote what was it three thousand words every day you know if he's and it's two hours and if at the end of that two hours or at the end of those three thousand words he just stops and Mm. like literally walks away and then yeah. comes back the next but day. But e- even you're if you're not producing. able to do it, exactly. Even if you're not able to do it every day, um, and um, f- you you just the time that you you yeah, I think taking that approach is important. And also the thing about not waiting for inspiration is important because quite often it's only when you sit down to do it that stuff starts kind of you yeah. the act of mm. engaging in it sort of gets you into the zone of it's like going to the pub and meeting your friend you don't have to have every to- everything you're going to say to that person planned out no, that's the whole yeah. well, and that would be um, strange <coughs> it would yeah, be strange very, yeah. very fabricated and like so, this is the schedule of my docking <laughs> points tonight <laughs> yeah you just rely on the fact that um, conversation is going to flow yeah and that you'll exactly. be able to like stare into space for a minute and think of something to say if, if it doesn't yeah yeah, um, yeah. you always regret not having one or two points in the awkward moment when there are a few people <laughs> when the conversation just stops altogether you're like maybe I should have come up with one thing <laughs> one backup point but other than that yeah. <laughs> so Candice how do you feel about giving us another wonderful tune sure is that okay so what exchanging guitars yes we're swapping guitars, guitars. There are two many guitars, guitars in this room <laughs> <laughs> the queen of guitars yeah so why have you brought more than one <coughs> guitar today? Well, um, I just personally find that it gets quite boring listening to the same sound 
we get our ears get quite used to it quite mm. quickly. Mm. So it's nice having a different a different type of guitar. Yeah. Ooh. And Absolutely. also this one's in a different tuning. It means I have to like make everyone listen to tuning. So this song um, is called Rosemary Lane, and it's a traditional song, and this is my arrangement of it. And it is. <clears throat> I first heard it the when I when I on my first trip to to Fife the first fence event I ever went to. Mm-hmm. This incredible woman called Pinky McClure um, singing with um, her musical compadre, John Wills. And um, she's she's just a mesmerizing artist. She's a, I'd never had, I had never seen anyone like her. I was, I was completely just transfixed by her. Yeah. Um, and then basically, because I thought they were so cool, I kind of semi-stalked them. Okay, um, okay. Until they, it's natural. Until they became my friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you tell them that you had stopped them when you became No. <laughs> I hope they listen to this. They find out now. <laughs> and then you can imagine my delight when John Wills ended up being the one who produced my last album. Okay. Um, so uh, this, and he recorded, so th- their version sounds very different, but it's very cool. And okay. they were the ones who. When I was in service in Rosemary Lane, I won the goodwill of my master and dame till the sailor came there one night to lie and that was the beginning of my misery he asked for a candle to light him to bed likewise a silk handkerchief
beautiful song. I do I, love the, the kind of folk songs oh, and the yeah. melodies that you come up with, this kind of skipping in between like yeah. major, minor. I just I find yeah. it really intriguing, especially as someone who's not <laughs> British. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of not something that I grew up with, that kind of folk music. So for me, it's... You know, I think it intrigues experience. me for the same reason that I didn't really grow up with it. And so when I kind of encountered it from the kind of fence side and then from moving to Scotland, mm. I found it for exactly that thing, the very strong melodies and the very definite quality of it. Mm, it's yeah. got a very clear, like you know exactly what a folk song is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, from my side, I've grown up with it and it's still <laughs> fascinating. And I think what I find most satisfying about it, I suppose, is it's so good at painting a picture. Mm-hmm. There's such an atmosphere in all these folk songs that you can just imagine the sort of Scottish Highlands and wind and rain mm. and whatever it is that you're imagining, but it's always painting some picture mm-hmm. in my head anyway. Yeah, so I think it's definitely atmospheric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love it. So as a kind of female performer, is there anything that you find that you come up against um, in terms of like preconceptions of what people think your music's going to sound like or what kind of a, how, how you're going to act on stage or, you know, things like that? Well, I know this is going to come as a massive surprise, <laughs> but occasionally that does happen. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so starting from um, um, when I was playing bands in London, I started out by being the lead guitarist in bands and people would always think I was a guitarist's girlfriend carrying his guitar. Oh, wow. And then... Um, and then... You know, I mean... I don't want to sound like I it's something that it's it's quite hard to articulate it without sounding either like you're perhaps saying that there's there's n- nothing to talk about mm-hmm. or um overstating it because mm-hmm. I do think that each individual person your experience in any situation is very much subject to how you handle yourself of so course, yeah. if you go in I you know and you walk up to the sound engineer and you already know their name because you took care of that stuff in the emails mm-hmm. like hi I'm Deanna it's really nice to meet you mm-hmm. and you make sure you remember their name and you know they're getting a message about you that is that you're you know what you're doing and yeah. that you're all gonna have a great evening together and mm-hmm. um on the other hand I'm not suggesting that just by doing that you can necessarily disarm any kind of problem no, that yes. you might have or that if anyone ever does have a problem it's because they just didn't present themselves well, you know I'm not yeah. saying that at all um so um, in some senses, when I've the occasions when I've been made obviously aware of it are now very it hard doesn't really happen to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't. Okay. I've got no idea whether people do or don't. Um, mm-hmm. In in passing, people's attitudes are sometimes um, revealed by the kindest of intentions. So um, I when I go on tours by myself, I'll be driving myself around the country, and yeah. people will be like, "Oh, is that all right? You know, are you are you okay yeah. doing that?" And and they mean it very very kindly yeah. and you know it, it is pretty hard work driving yourself around and but you know it's it's also be hard work for anyone it's not it's not specific because yeah, of my yeah, little exactly. girly hands yeah. get tired holding that big steering wheel. And then sometimes people are surprised by um, that there, there are definitely certain expectations people have of female singers and how much guitar they're going to do or you know in the, yeah, yeah. in the acoustic world how they're you know whether they're going to be proficient on a technical basis or not and mm-hmm. um so sometimes people 
pay compliments that are a little bit backhanded, like, oh, I didn't expect that, um, you know, that was going to be, you're going to do this, yeah. this and that. And I was like, oh, okay. Why okay. didn't you expect that? Well, <laughs> well, you know, and it, you don't know. It would be, it's easy to say to, one might have a conclusion as to why they didn't expect that. Yeah. But you, you, there's, there's sort of no point really dwelling on it too much. I think, um, so yes, there's, it becomes a little bit more apparent on an industry basis when you start noticing things like um well there's hardly any women on festival bills mm-hmm. or there's yeah. you know um because when it when it's your individual case you never know whether it's impossible to tell whether someone just didn't like what you did exactly. or or you know you just and and if you were to go down the road of every time somebody didn't get back to you or you didn't get a gig or that it was because you're a lady then you'd yeah, no, become you'd, insane yeah. and, yeah, you'd and that would be crazy yeah and and <clears throat> so I kind of think um, there isn't really a straightforward answer to that. But the thing which is in your power as an artist is to focus on what you can develop in terms, how you can continue to develop in terms of the quality of what you do and um, make sure that you attend to that. Like nobody is at a point where they can't get even better at some aspect of what they're doing. Yeah, or, you know, um, so you, you can only be responsible for your end of the deal, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's I, a really good approach. Um, and if other people do or don't sort of um, connect with that for whatever reason that's their business and it's maybe no there's maybe no point investing yourself too much in changing their minds they're not gonna you just do you know go and do your own thing basically yeah Um, you can't always concern yourself as well with the opinions of other people if you can't you can't please everyone right yeah Yeah. I mean and I think as an artist you've got to be aware in general people will not like your stuff. Yeah. It just yeah. because they don't like the sound of like, it. It's yeah. The I, of the yeah. Industry. <laughs> I um and and I I I love I actually kind of take a weird perverse satisfaction in that. So there's a thing called Submit Hub which is a, a it's you might have come across it. It's a sort of where you can submit your music to lots yeah. of blogs at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, they have to give you feedback. Mm-hmm. Um and um so I've done this with a couple of my singles and the feedback is amazing it's just it's just so funny <laughs> <laughs> because some people will just be totally caustic and then somebody else will really like that exact thing that the person before really hated yeah yeah so it's um great to just and um, there's there's one tune um on the album which is my arrangement of st james infirmary blues and mm-hmm. it's this great kind of blues standard i i absolutely love the song really enjoy doing my version of it and um um submitted it to obviously word had not reached New Zealand that this was a, a cover and a, a lady called Ola uh, who has a big New Zealand podcast wrote back saying mm, production's okay but and the songwriting needs more work <laughs> and I was like wow well, I'd be literally ecstatic if I'd written this song yeah yeah you know? <laughs> on you go obviously. Louis Armstrong go and kind of work on your songwriting <laughs> like literally nothing matters well someone believed it I mean must count yeah. for something. They Someone you wrote it. They oh, I see. Yeah. But yeah, but she like, thought that it was weak. Well, <laughs> but that really just shows that her taste. In music well, I mean, but the, the point is, that, you know, it's sort of. I think um, it's it's people's perceptions are so massively shaped by a lot. I'm not saying that people will think something's good if they're told it's good, mm-hmm. but there are lots of sort of subtle things that influence people's opinion as to yeah. whether they're going to like what they're about to hear or not. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I just think it's hilarious when you. Um, um, go through people's feedback to stuff yeah yeah <laughs> so what what are you working on at the moment 
um, in terms yeah. of the music. What's coming next? Well, um, I've got this album that's out, and I released it in the end of March, beginning of April. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been kind of working on supporting materials for that, so videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. Did a video for the last single, which involved um, hanging off a trapeze upside down playing guitar. Amazing. I saw that. that. Did you? Really fun. It was really fun. Was it difficult? Yes. Playing guitar. Yes, it was. Yes. I've had trapeze lessons for five years to get to that moment. Um, Yes. (laughs) So you've had that picture in your head for quite a while. I I played a gig and somebody there was an aerial routine going on um, after my gig at this this event. I was like, that's so that's amazing. I would really love to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you know when you see something amazing and half of your brain straight away writes off the possibility of you ever being able to do something like that. Yeah. Um, And then the other half of my brain was like noticed that I'd already decided it would not be something I'd ever be able to do. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't actually know that. Yeah. Um, so then Having both parts of my brain went off, to trape- <laughs> <laughs> went off to some trapeze classes and eventually got to the point where we could do that <laughs> that's brilliant I, I love it though I yeah. love it and you have like I, do, I just love when you have an idea that you might have had many many years ago yeah, and, and finally, find a way somehow to use it and it's yes. just the most satisfying thing in the world yes. <laughs> like my whole life has been building up to this point <laughs> and then you can't understand why you know <laughs> the world hasn't stopped on its axis. Yeah. yeah. No, um, so I'm doing the next single to come out is actually the album version of Rosemary Lane. Okay, okay. So I'm currently working on a video for that, which I'm just writing a storyboard for, which is going to be so the theme of the song, fairly sort of uh, eternally resonant mm-hmm. woman getting on with her own business. Mm-hmm. Man comes along, wants to sleep with woman. Yeah. Uh, woman ends up pregnant. Man disappears, says, You can come with me if you want. Uh-huh. Um, at least he said he, she could go with her. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he, he wasn't being. But but um, but at the same time, now it, you know he gets to continue doing what he was doing potentially mm-hmm. with her coming along as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas her trajectory has been unalterably changed. Yes, um, yeah. But there's this massive kind of consequence of having a baby. Mm-hmm. So um, um, and it, it is exactly you know there's uh, I might <clears throat> attract. Some responses for saying this, but the the su- Supreme Court nomination stuff. Yeah. Um. At the moment, there's this this woman who was attacked by the Supreme Court nominee, and yeah, multiple now. Um. Multiple women now. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so the first woman, Christine Blasey Ford, you know, had copious amounts of therapy for being kind of pinned to a bed and with somebody's hand on her mouth, and mm. you can see yeah. you can imagine that would be pretty pretty traumatic of course yeah whereas the guy's response is like oh what stays in what happens in georgetown prep stays in georgetown prep huh and obviously he maintains that he's innocent and he hasn't done it and clearly i don't know so but the, the idea that you know some, the first person's life has been changed and mm-hmm. the, the other people just get to continue yeah their mm-hmm. life and who knows if there will actually be consequences for him and this is that's only one example but yeah. it's a pretty perennial story and one of the, when i was on tour i didn't see any any women my age um i've just turned 41 um because it's very difficult to to do a tour by yourself anyway yes and um if you've got small children i can imagine that that would be totally impossible and most artists you know if you're going to justify having to pay for childcare in order to do a tour where you may make a loss or you may break even or you know Mm -hmm. um you don't really know what what's going to happen but you know that there's also a cost to your career of never touring Mm -hmm. because then you never build your audience you people never get to know about you you never have anything the idea of going around doing live dates plays into the reason why people might write about your album Mm -hmm. in the newspaper or Mm -hmm. right it 
you if you're not an active artist people don't have so much to say and therefore it's harder to get the other supporting PR attention mm -hmm. so there's lots of other reasons why it's important to do that even if you lose money on a tour mm -hmm. um but all of those things are you can imagine are, are much harder, harder to do and um I think that's why women of my sort of age tend to be quite invisible mm. in mainstream music mm. it's it's either you know they haven't had kids like PJ Harvey or um they're younger and they're not at that point yet mm -hmm. yeah. um whereas it seems that guys their creativity is th and their ability to tour and their ability to do these things is not quite as compromised mm -hmm. um so i guess the solution is to just be beyonce and have an entourage yeah that's the I only mean, way that's always the solution yeah <laughs> be beyonce, beyonce. <laughs> but i mean also i think i mean de men definitely in the music industry aren't as affected by age as well. I think that comes into it yeah. Yeah. as in women. I mean, I'm, I come from a background of doing more like musical theater, opera type mm -hmm. world. Um, and for women in that, it's basically, there is a definite cutoff age. And yeah. It's that. that. Well, there's no roles for older women. There are none. The older men, well, unless father you figures, become like the nurse kings. or the yeah, comedy mother-in-law. Yeah. You become, you know, the nurse or the, yeah, the woman that comes in, the grandmother, and she's in there for, you know, five minutes of a show. Mm. But yeah. there isn't anything written for older women. And so they kind Which of brings you back to the question, slide. why isn't there anything written? Is no, it no. because nobody wants to see them? No. Is it because, you know, women are only... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, well. it's true. It's the same with sort of pantomime work as well. Mm. The only roles for women are the leading men <laughs> yeah <laughs> either principal boy yeah. uh, but you have to be young for that principal girl you have to be young for that even the women are played by men like the dame roles they're men that play it so it's quite yeah it's quite funny the mm. comedy roles it's always the males yeah. it's like you can't the only real role you can get is a leading girl or a principal boy yeah and you have to be young yeah i mean i do think um that the age of the internet does afford more possibilities for people to um all different kinds of artists to access audiences mm -hmm. yes and that yes. um you know that that is that's cool mm -hmm. um there are sort of examples you hear of people i don't know there's a metal artist who's never gone on tour and she's now got an enormous audience mm -hmm. just because of the stuff she does online so mm -hmm. i think it is cool that people can develop their their stuff and become visible in that yeah. way um, and i think we're definitely moving forwards on that front yeah but we're not we're not going backwards well we're giving yeah. i think it's giving anyone the opportunity to create their own kind of following and their own music yeah and have more of an opportunity than it would have been 30 or 40 years ago without as much of the what the internet provides which is basically just visibility without having to be signed to a label yeah. or yeah. signed to a marketing company or you know things and like that. overall i do think that's really positive on the other hand the slight downside is that because um the mainstream, the kind of mainstream TV programs and radio programs know that there's an alternative home for the mm. alternative stuff. There's possibly even less space for that mm -hmm. in. So the, the used the kind of, yeah, there used to be a kind of yeah, there used to be a BBC Two program called Monitor in the eighties. All kinds of like weird, far out things would go on there. Mm -hmm. um, and and now there isn't really something like that. There isn't like a weekly program mm. dedicated to avant garde art because mm -hmm. people are like, oh, well, they like can live on the internet and people can look it up if they want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's true. Um, and also musically, um, it's interesting if you think about how much more experimental pop there maybe was mm. that was on top of the pops mm -hmm. and things like that. You know, Annie Lennox and all, yeah. all that was fairly experimental. And the yeah. idea of very androgynous woman and mm -hmm. um, there was um, and even things like kids toys adverts were much less 
genderized in the 80s you see the sort of posters yeah. with um two kids in green cords playing with lego it's not yeah. like pink cords and blue cords and um, so time. I think, think you know, <laughs> that there obviously is a possibility for much greater democratization and um, the ability to for people to take the initiative and do stuff like you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, sometimes that does also afford people with an excuse to further marginalize mm-hmm. or to allow or the mainstream media to be filled yeah, with yeah. like 10 Ed Sheeran songs. Yeah. And I'm not picking on him. You know, people like his stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Good on him. But it's also... It's, it's quite homogenous. Yes. Yeah. Or it makes for a homogenous. It means people are exposed to stuff that's like the other stuff that they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's the danger of the the web. I guess is the bubble yeah. effect because you do, you do. If you, if there are certain things that you like and you are somewhat vocal about that on whatever you use as like social media or email or something like that, then you will get shown things that are similar to that and you will then keep finding things that are similar and actually then when you're in that position finding something that's different becomes almost harder than mm. it would have been when you started out. So it is, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. you have to be careful <laughs> where you get things from. Yeah. Um, Barry has some of our silly questions. Yeah, okay. Our silly question round, our quick fire questions yeah. that are... Meant to end the show on a laugh. Yes. <laughs> and not meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. At all. Go for yeah. it. I mean, right. So we're just going to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think too much, but also you're allowed to think. Okay. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, is it got to be like word response? No, you can, you can have a think. Okay. So <laughs> would you rather be able to fly or teleport? It's a hard one. It depends on the speed of the flying because the flying's pretty quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the point of flying is to be able to get places. Yeah. So probably teleporting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. flying would be more fun in a sense, yeah. you but, get to but see more less practical. Of the world. But but also you get quite wet and chilly. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, you're right. True. And if the point of flying is to be able to get places quickly, then you might as well just teleport. Mm. I like that rational answer. Yeah. Rational answer. Okay. What is your favourite breed of cat or dog? <laughs> quite like a fox red lab oh mm. yes. yes nice classic um and a in terms of cats um there's that really friendly breed that uh oh my yes so cats of instagram fans <laughs> my good friend fellow edinburgh songwriter kirsten adamson has got an excellent cat called charles that is a ragdoll oh okay. ragdoll yeah, yeah. um cute. and he's He's pretty fun. <laughs> good, good, good. Are you generally more of a cat person or a dog person? I don't know. I, I would say I appreciate both. Yeah. You know, I like Marmite and Bovril. <laughs> what? Yes. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'm not sure about Vegemite. Sorry. Oh. That's okay. I'll forgive you on Tough that subject. One. <laughs> have a fight in the studio. So, what colour of crayon would you be? Colour of crayon? Yeah. Um, a blue or a purple. Oh, you're wearing a lot of blue today. It's yeah. very nice. So I'm quite yeah. into the old blue. Yeah, and it matches your lovely blue mic stand as well. It's almost <laughs> like we planned it. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, can you do a cartwheel? Not really. Bit of a kind of cack-handed one on on one side. Okay. Okay. However, despite all the right? trapeze lessons. However, <laughs> yeah, but you know, 
Um, however, I can do the thing where you roll along your arms and stand up, do a little forward roll along your arms. Ah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. That okay. looks really cool, actually. That's even cooler than a cartwheel. It is cooler. Cartwheels are... It's you know, slightly more ninja, I like to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can just kind of, like, in the shop, just whack yes. it out. Yeah. Everyone's like, did we just see that? <laughs> I'm going to try. It's become an internet sensation by just suddenly just doing it Rolling. look if I can't become an internet sensation hanging upside down on for trapeze I don't think <laughs> a forward I don't think a forward roll is going to do it <laughs> I don't know we'll see what we can do <laughs> okay so what was or what is the best dream you've had this week that's like sleeping dream not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a slightly stressy ones this, this week about Ooh. having forgot stuff and being late so can I refer back to the cake dream of a few weeks ago? I suppose so. That yes. was great because I ate all the cake and then I woke up and I, I could eat all the cake again if I wanted oh, to. Had you cake again too. Exactly. <laughs> I had this really weird dream last night, right? Really weird. I was sitting at a big kitchen table and one of the Jonas brothers, I don't know which one because they all look the same to me, came and squirted detergent in my ear. <laughs> What does what? that mean? Maybe he was trying to clean out your ears yeah. in order Jake for you to got... become the biggest fan. Do you know what? No, he thought... You of know, the Jonas I'm, Brothers. He's apologising for the quality of music oh. you had to hear from him, so he's cleaning out his ears for you. That's... Maybe. I don't know what that means. I'm quite into it. Like, it was really weird. And he was quite far away, and he was like squishing it right in this, in my right ear. If anyone out there is a, a dream specialist please let me know what this means i think he wanted he just wanted your attention he's like listen to my music please <laughs> please you were wrong maybe maybe that's how they've become a success they've just gone around like the bfg they've yeah. just gone around everyone in the night this I is the, it was the real nick jonas in my dream this is like ob- yeah that's, that's obviously the ones i know the name of and you know because it's just like the bfg with a wee hooter yeah, yeah. actually blowing detergent in, in your yeah I think that would be a killer next music video. <laughs> yeah. You can have that music into the ears of the children. <laughs> That'd be really creepy. Okay. Um, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Hmm. Well, I don't have a TV license, so I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but this is really boring. I, I quite like Trevor Noah's little snippets on YouTube. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Daily Show Daily guy. Show, yep. He's just really funny. He's, He's got great. an absurd sense of the observer. He's also kind of cute. Um, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> um, and then I'm also really into this guy called Rick Beato who has a music channel. Um, and he just talks about... He has a series of videos called What Makes a Song Great? And he's this really enthusiastic Italian-American guy. And he'll... he Because he's... Um, been a producer for his whole career he's got all the individual stems for the different songs uh-huh. so he'll take some massive hit and he'll solo out the drum part and you'll hear that the drummer's doing this cool thing or he'll solo out the backing vocal and okay. so I, I find that I really enjoy those okay I like, I like having a geek out on that <laughs> you a bit of like a YouTube binge watcher you just sit and have a YouTube session and maybe watch some of the, maybe the videos. I feel like YouTube's got dangerous now because it automatically plays the next video like yeah. for example, like I, I never you really had to actually click on it. I never really felt old until the day when I went down a YouTube spot a Beck YouTube spiral. Okay. When I saw the video for Loser, mm-hmm. and he's all like got the '90s curtains and the long sleeve t-shirts, <laughs> and 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 then I'm watching the kind of videos of his career progress, and then like he's now wearing the his face is a lot more serious and older, and he's wearing the little preacher hats and the sober suits, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. looking like a basically looking like a kind of rural priest um 
and that made it's me a good feel description. it just that made me feel very old. <laughs> um, and lastly, how many roads must a man walk down? I'd say at least five hundred forty-three. Okay, good, 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 fantastic. Is that right a, answer? Is that a prepared answer? No, no. I just think there should be just enough. Think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it needs to be substantial. Exactly. It's not worth it, right? What yeah, you're going to exactly. see, you can't learn something from three roads, no. can you? Not unless they're very long ones. Yeah, yeah. and it'd be boring. One road. Yeah, and you know, also yeah. doesn't that doesn't teach you to navigate, which is an essential life skill. True. Yes, it's true. True. Yeah, right. There have to be enough different ones that you get. Five hundred forty-three gives you a good selection of roads i mean in that you're probably going to have a few dirt roads a few exactly. some motorways potholes, some motorways i mean that's you're missed a few like junctions one yeah. and a half years of everyday different road exactly. yeah that's fair enough that seems fair so before you're two you should be a man <laughs> yeah, yeah but that goes but, for us as but, well but then you won't have if we're being like picky you won't have actually been walking mm, because you won't true. be able to walk when you're a baby true that's true um so does crawling ways. does crawling qualify as experience mm. on roads don't know <laughs> maybe someone should actually do that they should they should like leave home with a rucksack when they're 16 and, yeah. and actually and walk. see how much how much they develop what developmental experiences they have over That'd the next 500 great, and like, some 43 days or something yeah. yes it? it would like every day you see what you've learned Whoever, that day exactly and then at some that. point the fans decide when you're a man <laughs> And that is <laughs> a proof. That and could go. The there's yes. so many it's ways that could that could end <laughs> <Yeah>. badly. Well, thank you so much for coming. Along. You're very yes. welcome. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Thank you, thank you. Um, will you be so kind as to play us out? Sure. Um, oh, back to the first guitar. Back to the first one. Now. Thank God it's St. James Infirmary because it's it's. It's so fun. Okay, yeah. We like fun. It was down at Old Joe's Bar Room At the corner by the square You know the drinks were Served as usual And the usual crowd was there Now on my left stood Big Joe McKennedy His eyes were bloodshot red And as he looked at the gang around him These were the very words he said I went down to the St. James Infirmary I saw my baby there Stretched out on a long white table So young, so cold, so fair Seventeen cold black horses Hitched to a rubber-tired hack Seven girls going to the graveyard Only six of them are coming back Well, let her go, let her go, God bless her Wherever she may be She may walk this wide world over And 
never find another man like me Well, when I die, just bury me in my heart, Tom Stetson hat. Place a twenty-dollar gold piece on my watch chain to let the Lord know that I died standing pat. I want six crap shooters for my pallbearers and a chorus girl to sing me a song. Place a jazz band on my hearse wagon Just to raise hell as we roll Well now that you've heard my story I'll take another shot of booze If anyone here should ask you I've got the gambler's